0: This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by IBM. Did you know that 16 million new collar jobs will be created by 2024? To help fill them, IBM's new education model gives high school students workplace experience and an associate's degree. 90 P-TECH schools are already preparing graduates for tomorrow's STEM careers. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com slash P-TECH. That's P as in Paul, tech as in tech. tech Hello and welcome to the Vergecast. cast. Greetings, mobile accomplishers. This is a flagship podcast of theverge.com. I am Dieter Bone. Nelly is not here, and maybe if you're nice, we'll tell you why. I am uh, I'm joined uh, by lovely people. Uh, Paul Miller is here. Hello. Nat Garen is here. It's been a while. Casey Newton is here. What up? We're going to have the whole staff on because that's what we have to do when we don't have Neila. No, no. Neely's not here because uh, Neila is a father. Yay. He's on paternity leave. Yay. Go find him on Instagram at uh, Reckless and uh, like the picture of the baby. Very cute baby. Very cute baby. She is very cute. Her name is Max Maxwell. Maxwell Great Max, names. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Max Maxwell Saya.
0: No, just just Maxwell, but mm-hmm. Max for short. Mm-hmm. I I suspect most people will call her Max. Uh, but yeah, she's a she's a happy baby. Neilai seems to be a happy dad. I'm sure he's going to be fine. He'll be fine.
2: Yes, I think. I mean, this will be a great thing for him. <laughs> I think it's actually important. It's for- important for technology journalists to have children in their lives because it is the children that are going to tell them what is the next new important thing to focus on, right? Mm. Like you have children in your life to say, "Hey, I'm using the new Bing Bong app, and everyone at my uh, middle school is doing Bing Bong now." <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, The Verge is fundamentally about the future and. I believe that children are
2: the future. Oh, my gosh. I think the best way to, to predict the future is to create it by having children. And that is exactly what Eli has done.
0: All right. We're not, we have no more jokes. Casey, you've had a really chill week, right? Who, who doggies? It has been totally relaxing. You live blogged Mark Zuckerberg uh, testifying before Congress for approximately three thousand hours. It I was, think
2: it was ten hours. It felt like three thousand toward the end. There was a moment yesterday where my brain had never felt mushier. Like I had sort of lapsed into this pure transcription mode where I felt incapable of sorting important questions from unimportant questions. <laughs> and and it actually it made me uh, respect Mark Zuckerberg in a new way because like he didn't. Not have the luxury of his brain turning into mush. He had to be on point for ten hours under in, in a very high pressure situation. So
0: okay, so set the scene. So day one was the Senate. Day two was the House. He was going there to just answer questions from angry Congress people. Like, what's the story?
2: That's basically right. You know, if you've been reading The Verge over the past three weeks, you've probably seen our coverage of the Cambridge Analytica data privacy scandal. And the gist of that scandal is that um, a, a researcher uh, tricked a bunch of people into giving away their personal information, which he then sold to Cambridge Analytica, which then used it for a bunch of uh, nefarious political ad targeting purposes. And uh, although Facebook was aware of this, it apparently did not investigate to see whether Cambridge Analytica had deleted the data as they were supposed to. And so, a lot of people got very mad, and Congress called Zuckerberg to account for everything that had been going on. But as often happens at these sort of hearings, while it started with Cambridge Analytica, it soon moved on to many other topics uh, related to the uh, seemingly never-ending Um, a cascade of scandals that Facebook has gotten wrapped up in since the 2016 election.
0: Favorite question?
2: My favorite question that anyone asked? Yeah. Man. Well, from the standpoint of social media and democracy, which is one of the things I care a lot about, I really appreciated that Lindsey Graham asked... Zuckerberg, straight up, whether Facebook had gotten too powerful and whether it was a monopoly. He asked Zuckerberg to name his biggest competitor. And as we reported, Zuckerberg really couldn't name one. And that question is important because it forces I think all of us to reckon with the unchecked nature of power that not just Facebook have, but all of the big tech platforms have, whether you're talking about a Google or an Amazon or an Apple, right? The the decisions that these companies make affect you know not just Americans, but billions of people around the world. And it, And it seemed like the Senate and the House this week were belatedly waking up to that.
0: I mean, I didn't watch all 10 hours because, oh my God. Also, disclosure my wife works for oculus a division of facebook there you go i expected to watch it and see a bunch of senators and congress people not understand technology and i I, my expectations were 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 matched i don't know did was anybody generally impressed there were like maybe four things that i saw i was like yes i'm i'm impressed with the level of this question you like you picked a thing and you went and you did it you asked the right question but everybody else was like well i'm here
1: well, it, it seems like the whole thing is, uh, I really don't like these kinds of, especially, it's not like it's a criminal investigation of something. Mark Zuckerberg is not part of the government, so they're not like investigating their own. So, so you end up with like this weird, like a lot of people posturing and I, I, I feel like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't watch the whole thing or hardly any of it. Uh, I relied on the excellent (laughs) Verge coverage to summarize it for me. But, I mean, a good, a a large majority of it is just the congressperson like promoting, self-promotion.
2: There, yeah, there's a lot of grandstanding and a lot of putting themselves over and uh, and uh, hilariously, a lot of requests for favors from Martin Zuckerberg. <laughs> really <laughs> yeah, there's a, Axios did a great little piece about everything that lawmakers asked Zuckerberg for. And it was mostly, could you please bring fiber to my uh, rural district? And that gave Zuckerberg an opportunity to say, well, you know, we're building an internet plane that can beam it straight to the ground. So um, so yeah, there was a lot of Congress people grandstanding, but this is a case where it is helpful, and I'm finding it helpful just a day later after the hearings are over to take a deep breath and really go through the transcript and really identify what was new that we learned from the hearings and um, and what were the really sharp questions that that got asked. Mm-hmm. And there is a set of questions that I would highlight in that regard that I think you are going to see drive the next wave of Facebook coverage. So, you had two representatives, uh, uh, Joe Kennedy and I believe Ben Lujan, who asked about the data that Facebook collects about you that you did not give your explicit informed consent to. And as best as I can tell, there are at least three of these categories. So okay. one is if you are not logged into Facebook or you don't have an account and you visit Facebook, uh, any public page on Facebook, on the web, Facebook tracks that. Mm, okay. They say that's for security reasons. because the shadow they profile? Uh, it is part of a shadow profile. And what they say is if they did not track it, then you might be able to go in and scrape every public page on Facebook and do... God knows what with it. So, okay, so that's the first category.
0: So this is just like, oh, here's a visitor coming from this IP address. They've gone to this page. We're just going to keep an eye on this person and see if they're doing anything correct. Make sure you're not
2: a a bot. For example, two ad purposes. So there's this thing called the Facebook pixel. It's a piece of code that advertisers can put on websites uh, all around the web to track your visits, whether you have a Facebook account or not. And then Facebook, which has an external advertising network, can then use that information to target uh, ads at you.
0: No, this is just a standard. Like this is just a standard tracking pixel that like every ad network on the planet does, and Facebook just happens to be another ad network. Do you know if the tracking pixel happens if there's like a like button on a page?
2: Yes, it absolutely does. And my response to Facebook is just another ad network is, well, actually, Facebook is one of the two biggest ad networks in the entire world.
0: Yeah, no, I was playing devil's advocate. Facebook is, quote unquote, just another ad network in the same way that Google is, quote unquote, just another ad network, right? Sure,
2: sure. So that's category two. And then category three, which actually got no airtime during the hearings, but which I think is important to point out, is data that it collects for growth reasons. So if any of your friends uploaded their contacts and your contact is in there then facebook has your phone number and using these three kinds of data that i just described they can build what paul just referred to as a shadow profile it is a bunch of information about you you know where you've been on facebook where you've been on the web who your friends are and they've built this this really you know complete picture well i shouldn't call it a complete picture but let's say it's like a comprehensive picture of who you are now, now why is all this important well one of the major lines of questioning during the hearings was, was, okay, Mark, Like data privacy is really important. You need to give us control over our data. And Mark would say repeatedly, Senator Congressman you have control over your data you can delete any of your data from Facebook right except when it got to these categories now of the three that I mentioned it is true that if you have a Facebook account you can opt out of web tracking okay which just leaves the other two okay but that still leaves these two categories of information that Facebook is collecting about you whether you have a Facebook account or not and you as a human being do actually do not have control over that in a meaningful way and so I think this is what is going to drive kind of that next wave of coverage is Facebook Says you can delete the data that uh, that you know you have volunteered to give it, but actually Facebook is collecting a lot more information about you. And what I just described, there may be more categories of information that we're still waking up to.
1: What about like uh, where do you like anti-tracking browsers and something like Brave or just an ad blocker? How does that fit into this picture? And is it is anybody on the Facebook side suggesting like, well, if you don't want to be tracked, set up set up some defenses, arm yourself. It's a really interesting
2: question, and that may in fact be their response. I have a hard time imagining that them recommending that you use a, a browser or an ad blocker. Uh, it, 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 I just can't imagine them doing it, but um, that may turn out to be an effective answer. But you know, for so long, Facebook's prime directive has been to grow and that has meant getting really creative about figuring out who people are and you know it's worth mentioning why are they doing all this well the reason is so let's say you know paul uh, if you'd come back to the internet and immediately decided to create a facebook account which maybe you did mm-hmm. um and I, I bring that up because paul had a great piece on our site today about uh, sort of advice for people who want to quit social media that i recommend everyone go read but let's say you you, you deleted your facebook account or deactivated it and when you came back um you'd create a brand new one Facebook would just from your email address and your phone number, Facebook would actually already know who all your friends were, and they would say, "Hey, Paul, here's your sixty-eight best friends," yep. and uh, you know you could go go ahead and add all of them. And that's important because what Facebook has found is the faster that it connects you to all your friends, the the they'll have you. Like you'll spend more and more of your time there. You'll see more ads. It's a better business for Facebook if you're there with all your friends. And they would argue connecting you with your friends is is what they're all about. So this is why they're they're collecting all of this data. But as we saw with the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, um, data has other uses, right? I, I, I'm really warming up to this metaphor about our public data as toxic waste, right? It's like, okay, you know, it's like the byproduct of the thing we actually want to do, and over time, it just gets, gets kind of more and more poisonous. And it's often many years after we gave it away that it comes back to haunt us. And by the way, let's just keep talking about Facebook.
0: You I was going to say, yeah. it's, it, it, it's like you know, like when your skin, you're, you're constantly shedding little, you know, particles of your skin, and if you don't vacuum every now and then. Your rug gets really crappy, and then you get allergies. You, exactly. get, you start sneezing.
3: Th- that is so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know. I don't know. like. You're just leaving dead skin all over the internet. That's, that that's, that that's... is so gross.
3: Um, and the way I feel like the way they collect the information too is super tricky. Like if you just download Messenger and you like you don't need a Facebook account to have Messenger, you just download it. And like the first thing you'll say is like, "Would you like to upload your contact book?" And you're like, "Sure, why not." Or if you sign up for Instagram, it's like, would you like to upload your contact book and find your friends? And you're like, sure, why not? And like, it's like this right. big blue button that you just click so that most people are just looking at their phone and they're just like, next, 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 I want to see pictures on Instagram. And they don't realize that right, the right. button they pressed is, yes, upload my entire contact list. And now all your friends are shadow profiles, as opposed to this very, very tiny text that's like, no, don't do that.
2: And people just skip it. And let's talk about how Facebook gets you to share those contacts. So if you do this through Instagram, for example, Owen Williams' Twitter personality tweeted the actual flow on the, uh, on the Instagram mobile app the other day. And here's what happens. You enter your name and your password, and there's a little message that says, your contacts are periodically synced and stored on our servers to remove contacts, go to settings, and disconnect, learn more. And then underneath that, there's a giant blue button that says next, and then underneath that, in much smaller font, there's tiny blue text that says continue without syncing context. Of course, you know the vast majority of the people are just going to click the next button because what they don't realize is the next button is the, yeah, go ahead, upload all of my friends' information button. right? It doesn't say that. So you know, Facebook, on one hand, is talking a, a great game about giving you control over your private information, but there are all of these surfaces of the app that tell a different story, which is still growth at all costs.
1: Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, Facebook calling it Pixel, let's be clear how these ad trackers work. If they can't get your IP address or they don't know who you are, ad tracking has gotten very sophisticated and they put like a little canvas object and they use a profile of your computer, basically how your computer renders that little pixel gives them yeah. information of who you are they're not just like they're not just taking the data when it's there they're not just collecting the the the, the dead skin you've left behind they're walking up to you and scraping it off
3: <laughs> i mean to be fair i think television does this too right to tv programming to just figure out like who's watching and if they're still watching a television programming right so how like, do
1: they do that they, well, they like, put on pixels a, on like TVs? a pixel on a TV,
3: where like if they flash a certain type of pixel... Oh, TV, manufacturers certain, do this, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like TV,
1: for yep. sure, like uh, they show
3: a pixel on TV during a certain programming at a certain time of day in whatever market you're in to figure out whether you're watching this particular programming.
1: Wait, and then your smart TV sees that and sends Well, you don't, the, the information TV does not bad. have to
3: be smart, like TV pr- advertisers just can do that and figure out whether you're watching a certain programming based on whatever pixels are showing on your TV.
1: Oh my gosh, well. Shut it all down. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. Like,
3: here's what I've learned about this week: is that I think Congress and people in general just don't know how offline advertising even works, which is why this whole thing is so freaky to a lot of people. Because like, this has existed for TV, and this exists for offline for when like you sign up for a supermarket. Loyalty card, and then randomly coupons show up to your house. Like I think this type of like tracking and advertising has happened for a while, and like now that's happening at a scale of Facebook, which you use nine hours a day. Like people are freaked out.
2: Right. I would also say it's easy to buy a TV that isn't flashing these secret pixels at you, and it's hard to not use Facebook. Right. Exactly. Or it's at least harder. Yeah.
0: So, okay. Extreme devil's advocate. Sure, let Facebook have my stuff. They provide a nice free service to me, and I like talking to my friends, and I like looking at pictures on Instagram, and if them having a whole bunch of information about who I am and who I'm connected to socially is the price that I pay for that, I'd rather do that than five bucks a month, especially since it's the only option. What's the big deal? I mean, I know the answer, but I just want I want to hear everybody say it. I think that is a fair question. The the story that
2: kicked all of this off was, well, Uh, The data that we give away, uh, Facebook turns out not to have much control over. And one thing that we know happened is that a, a political consulting firm got a hold of it and tried to use it to create... Uh, highly targeted ads and to uh, persuade us more effectively because they learned things about us that we never would have voluntarily told them right uh, Now there have been plenty of reports that 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 particular kind of targeting might not have been all of that useful in this case, but in an election uh, where a lot of people were unhappy about the outcome and where the uh, cause um, or rather the result had a lot of causes, I think people have kind of glommed onto this as, wow, here is a concrete case where me giving away my data may have had some sort of impact on the world around me. So, you know, even if you think that that impact is overstated, I do think that it exists. And it just sort of opens up this door toward, well, my gosh, what are other people doing with my data? And the whole purpose of these hearings was to try to get a handle on that and saying, well, who else has this data and what are they doing with it? Because again, this gets down to the level of Facebook being able to know who you're married to, not because you've said, I'm married to this person on your Facebook profile, but because through location tracking, they know that you sleep in the same house. And this is real, and this is technology that they bragged about having during a presentation to advertisers last year. So that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about.
0: Okay. uh, So... Then the big question that had like Zuckerberg was like ready for it um, and then it came up in like lots of weird different ways is like, okay, so we, we obviously have to regulate Facebook. But what does that even look like?
2: So it could look like a lot of things, and I would be quick to add that I do not think that regulation is imminent because we live in a country that seems opposed to regulating big companies generally yeah. and particularly during this administration. So in a way, Facebook has a great opportunity to go out and regulate itself and try to avoid a, a true round of regulation. You know, if and when Democrats ever come back uh, into power, um, but there are other things that could be done in the meantime, um, and you should read on the verge a story written today by Russell Brandom about a concept that a Yale professor has called an information fiduciary, which sounds like kind of a ridiculous thing. Okay, um, But there are uh, similar positions in like the banking and finance industries where sort of as a um, requirement of being in an industry, you agree to follow certain standards and procedures, and it kind of becomes a good housekeeping seal of approval for um, for your company. And so, Uh, He's arguing that Facebook, Google, Twitter, they would have an incentive to um, participate in a system where they uh, agreed to abide by certain standards, and then um, this information fiduciary would essentially be able to audit their records and see whether they were living up to the promises that they made. And what's appealing about this, if you're a consumer, is that the companies could just sort of agree to do it, and you wouldn't need to wait for a new Congress to come up with regulations.
0: So, okay, let's assume that that's coming at some point. But the the thing that was on the table right away was the – The GDPR. Russell's been on the show talking about it before. All these privacy regulations in Europe, and like it seems like the answer to why don't you just make the GDPR rules available around the world and like to have that be the standard everywhere, was like he gave different answers to it. It was also like it was super funny for me to watch a bunch of I don't know senators and Congress people who I think in any other context if you had said how about you take some European regulation and apply it in America they would have been like (laughs) whoa no hell no they're like what about the GDPR there Zuck like the Europe did the work of deciding what it wanted the standards to be when we in America didn't. And now we're just like, oh, what if we just do that? And the answer seems to be yes. Well, no. Well, kind of. Well, we're doing this thing. It's like it. But like I don't, I don't get what their position is on that at all. They have uh, given mixed messages, and
2: frankly, I think some of
0: the reporting
2: about what Facebook has said has been inaccurate. Um, uh, there, there were reports that Facebook had said that it would not roll out GDPR protections globally, and then they came back and said, "Well, we didn't say that." And then finally, yesterday at the hearing, Zuckerberg said, "Zuckerberg rather said yes, we will roll out these protections, and there will be some differences." And I'm willing to um, take mark at his word when he says that they are going to roll out these protections and that there will be some essentially minor differences between countries that are that are just rooted in the fact that we have different legal systems and I'm sure there's going to be different wording but you know the spirit of the thing is that you as a citizen should be able to request of any company a copy of the data that any other company has uh, uh, developed about you I mean that's really the, the spirit of it and that does seem like something that Facebook can live up to and in fact they already have a download your information. Information tool, which lets you download all the information that you voluntarily contributed to Facebook. Now, an interesting question would be, well, could you request your shadow profile, right? And so these are some of the debates that I think you'll see playing out like over the next six months or
1: a year. Or, re- or request the reasoning that went behind why you're being shown an ad at any given moment would be really, really fun <laughs> and a terrifying <laughs> technical nightmare for I them to I, I love that idea. But I love that idea. What's that?
2: Uh, just, just real quick, Paul. I mean, I, so much of the 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 fear and the the outrage that, that tech platforms experience now is because they are racing to build these AI systems that can't explain themselves, and so you wind up with so much um, uncertainty around what's going on. I I'm I believe that. One of the big reasons that there is this uh, urban legend that persists that Facebook is spying on all of our phone conversations so that it can target ads at us is precisely because we don't have the button that you just mentioned, Paul, that you can't just hit something that's like, hey, um, wh- why are you showing me an ad to visit Copenhagen? Because like I was just talking about that with my friends.
0: Yeah, but they, there's there's no way that they could provide that button. You just said sure that they, they don't know what the AI is doing. The, the, you click the button and the button would pop up the same dialog box every time and it would say – yeah, we don't know, the computer thought it might be good.
2: Or it could say, you know what, this advertiser wanted to reach men between the ages of 30 and 40 who lived in the United States. Like, like, ads actually are a case where the AI could
1: explain itself at least a little bit. Mm. So I've been reading a really wonderful book about machine learning called The Master Algorithm. I saw this guy, this guy gave a bunch of like TED Talks and stuff when the, his book came out, and he's a machine learning researcher. He's he's kind of a machine learning uh, utopian. Uh, he talks a lot about how they just need more and more data, it, but there's there's a there's a clear separation of concerns, and I really like this fiduciary idea. But I, I in this book he he presents an, an option where you have something that's kind of like a bank for your data, so all data about you. Uh, goes to your, your bank. It's the, the I don't know, whatever, what do you want to call it, The Wells Fargo of personal information, right? Okay. It, Wells Fargo as a bank with money, if you think about it, it's their job to hold on to your money, to give it back yeah. to you if you want it, uh-huh. and to give it to other people when you say it's okay. Yeah. So I, I've just been thinking about there's got to be some ways to separate the collection of data from the usage because ultimately we want Facebook to be able to use their data. And I definitely – I'm excited about a lot of these applications of machine learning where if some company had a, not just the profile that they can build on me by tracking me obsessively but by combining that with the profile that Netflix can build – and uh, Amazon can build, they can get a much larger picture of of who I am, right? So what
0: you're saying is data has, we all agree, in the abstract has some sort of value – and therefore yes. can be used to trade with each other. But there needs to be ways to track it. And also maybe we should make, consider making it like that abstraction concrete in some way. And so we need an institution that stores that value. And then we need maybe little, I don't know, slips of paper that are like, you know, created by a, a large institution that, that you know, is willing to back them up if necessary. I feel like you, or, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe this this abstract concept of our data that has value there. It should actually be tracked in a really uh, big way, such that like we know that these transactions actually occurred. It could be maybe like a a really large public ledger ledger that gets verified by the actions of you know, computer GPUs that do math problems. Paul uh, just invented the blockchain. Paul just invented I didn't, the blockchain. I did invent
1: the,
0: <laughs> um, the blockchain. For the record,
3: on Facebook, you actually there is actually a button that says, why am I seeing this ad? But it doesn't yeah. really tell you that much. It just says, like, you saw an <laughs> ad for The Verge because you are between a certain age and you like reading or, like, something super vague like yeah. that. So it's it's about just figuring out how to be way more transparent and um, specific. Yeah, that, that, that's
2: a good point. Yeah. That, thanks, thanks for bringing
0: that I up. Mean, that's true. Is literally anything going to happen?
2: Yes, literally something is going to happen. And here's how you know because over the past three weeks, things have been happening. Uh, Facebook totally locked down its API. So, a okay. bunch of information that it used to share, it no longer does. Uh, they did a steady drip, drip, drip of announcements in the days leading up to the hearing precisely so they could turn around and say, just look at everything we've been doing since this happened, right? And I, I fully believe that that's going to continue because the scrutiny is not going away.
0: Okay. Well, I like that. That's, that's, that's a happy the, note. The,
1: I like the fiduciary. Imagine a world where Facebook has agreed to this industry standard, and just like the green SSL lock, when you're on a site that is agreeing to this standard, you get a little icon. Like the terms of service have that icon, and like oh, I know what that that icon means. And then if they if they don't, that industry group outs them for not following those agreed upon yeah. rules. I think that could definitely help us. Because we're not all going to read the terms and conditions, and I feel like part of the EU, EU right. solution is okay. Just get them to agree to everything up front, so that we have the flexibility down the line. Like, is this
0: like a CPA? Is this like a lawyer? Is this like an actuary? Is it all of the above? I'm just I'm trying to imagine the college program, and like the a test standards you have to take. body. I,
2: you know, I, I read Russell's story. I'm not an expert on the proposal, but you know, it doesn't seem to me to be all of that different from almost like a bar association but at the yeah. company level right where it's like you know to, when you're when you become a lawyer you agree to uphold certain standards and if you do not you can be disbarred and i think you know there would be similar mechanisms with this kind of you know information fiduciary they also they need a better name. <laughs> it's like, it just sounds ridiculous. Um, uh, and, and in fact that there actually there was a name that got pitched during the hearing uh, by one of the representatives yesterday, which I think was something like um you know, a data Rangler. privacy czar or like Czars. Essentially like that there should be much as there is a consumer financial protection board, there mm-hmm. should be a consumer data protection board. Mm. Which I which I also really like as an idea.
3: Uh could we talk briefly about how almost half of the answers for um how Zuckerberg answered all the Congress people was like, we rely on AI, or like, we're building an AI, or like, AI will solve the problem. That seems very
2: what yeah AI um, is a magic talisman, and whenever you're threatened uh, in Congress or elsewhere, you just wave it in front of the face of whoever is talking to you and you say, "Oh no, 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 the AI will fix the problem, and for some reason we've just agreed to nod and uh, accept that answer I think that's that's appropriate that's fair <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean it, it's kind of crazy to me because like the first one of the first reasons like AI was brought up was when Ted Cruz was like well why are, why is like?" Like, Facebook seems to be anti-conservative, and there's a bias, and, like, blah, blah. And, like, these pages are being blocked, and Zuckerberg is like, well, like, in the future, like, AI is going to figure out what's inappropriate, and we're going to take that down. And, you know, all these other people harped on, like, inappropriate content on Facebook. But, like, isn't AI, like, algorithms inherently our (laughs) bias? Like, you're supposed to teach it what to give preference to. So, like, how is this going to fix the problem? I don't, like... I just don't really understand where, like this whole AI narrative is going.
2: It's a great point because automated systems are the reason that many of these pages or posts are being withheld or temporarily suspended in the first place. Like some keyword triggers a review and the thing gets withheld, right? So it's like AI is at the root of this problem already. And even Zuckerberg has agreed that training... Um, a machine learning system to understand speech well enough to be able to draw these incredibly hard distinctions between what is political speech and what is hate speech. Like that's a That's that's very hard. I mean, that's that is not going to be uh, up and running and working really well within the next five years or maybe even 10 years. Right. Um, So, you know, that said, um, no one was more disingenuous over the past two days than Ted Cruz. There is no. (laughs) That's like an evergreen statement. Evergreen statement, pin tweet, whatever you want to call it. Um, I supported
1: there is Ted no... Cruz over Donald Trump in the primary. I just like like to have that on the record.
0: No, no, you you deserve praise for that, I suppose, <laughs> um, <laughs> of a kind. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: you know, the the important thing that I think to remember is that there is no systematic bias against conservative news on Facebook. If you are a conservative person, you can choose to like only conservative pages and befriend only conservative people, and they will feed you a steady diet of conservative everything for the rest of your life, and Facebook is happy to do it. And if you look at which pages get the most engagement out of any on Facebook clustered near the top are a bunch of conservative sites. So we have seen no evidence that conservatives are at any disadvantage to any other ideology on Facebook. Um, and in fact, it, they may have an advantage because, uh, and, and, and we saw that during the 2016 election, where it was some of these sort of conservative leaning viral hoaxes, such as the Pope endorses Donald Trump, that got more shares than almost anything else.
1: I just wanted to, to point out something about machine learning and AI that I learned from this excellent book called The Master Algorithm that I really want everybody (laughs) to read. But one of the things that the book points out is that an AI algorithm is literally 100% mathematically provably ineffectual without bias. Like, the content of an AI is the bias that it has learned on training data. Right. So so we have the word bias as a pejorative in the sense that you lean one way or the other. But the, the whole content of, of a machine learning algorithm is the bias that it has learned from how it's been trained. And so therefore, we, we, we're definitely not going to <laughs> solve bias by magical AI because all we're doing when we're building AI is feeding it bias and we're hopefully choosing what a right what's what's the right yeah. bias.
0: Well, I'm going to read an ad now and this is um this is this is quite the ad for this moment. Did you know that by 2050 the world population will reach nearly 10 billion and food production will need to grow by guess what how much, Paul? Guess how much it's going to need to grow by? Uh,
1: 70%, what? that's Shoot. how much. I'm
0: what if off. artificial intelligence could help? Farmers are already Using it to help increase crop yields, Watson and the IBM Cloud provide access to weather data and analyze satellite imagery to help them monitor soil moisture levels and reduce water waste. So, as the population grows, more food can be put on tables. Let's put smart to work. Find out more at ibm.com/smart. Can
2: I say, I heard the word uh, "data" uh, so often over the past couple of days, and. Uh, after a certain point, I just started to hear "dada" dad, like how babies refer to their fathers, <laughs> <laughs> and so just Dadism. like hearing a, yeah, so just like hearing a bunch of senators saying, "Now, tell me about your dada," I was like, "What is, <laughs> what is happening here?"
0: <laughs> oh. I can't, I can't segue off of that. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what that. <laughs> Nat. Hi. On April 24th, Spotify said it's going to make a, quote, news announcement, and everyone didn't know what the heck that meant. Um, but we saw a thing that maybe is the thing. Can you what What is the thing?
3: So there's several things. Uh, we okay. don't know um, what Spotify can announce. It, they just IPO'd, um, and yep. so that means that they could radically change the service itself. But what we did find is there is a leak of a hardware device that's basically this, like, thing that you attach to I guess your air vent in the car and you can use it to ask it to play any random Spotify music. So think of it as like a digital assistant but all it does is play Spotify stuff. We don't really know anything about it other than that it's just supposed to be this thing that attaches in your car and like the leak that we saw may not even be what it'll actually look like. What we saw is like this circle. It looks kind of like a button or a pin that you just kind of clip on, kind of like how you would clip on a phone holder in your car. And it has a little screen on it that says what you're listening to. There's a pause, there's a shuffle, there's a rewind button, and that's basically it. And then, like, a little talking bubble that says, hey, Spotify, play my Discover Weekly. And that's all we know. We have no idea whether it has third-party integrations, anything else. We just know that it can play Spotify if you talk to it.
0: I mean... That's a lot. We know a yeah. lot. This, <laughs> I mean, assuming this thing exists, it's got a display, so it's like uh, there's actually a display. It has voice input in some way. It's got controls. It probably, I mean, it'll connect to either other either AUX or probably Bluetooth. Um, and then the the thing was that it was maybe going to be part of a subscription. So like you just like you you pay like thirteen bucks a month as one of the screenshots that we saw. And, and that you includes end up paying, the data that plan.
3: That should include um, the service like Spotify Premium because. Huh. That would be crazy for them to sell that with ads.
1: Okay. Okay. Who wants to go on a marvelous journey with me? Imagine if there's one mount for your car vent and another Mm -hmm. mount that you can put on like an arm strap and you can take this running with you. Ooh. Ooh.
0: Wouldn't that be great?
1: A a, a device that can play your Spotify without having having to sync anything, without having to carry your phone.
3: Isn't that just so sort of interesting? I think watch? anything,
2: that, anything that, is like, that Spotify makes that is wearable, they should call Bodyfy. <laughs>
0: it's like B O D I F Y. I mean, I would buy the hell out of this thing. I a Bodyfy? Yeah, I would yeah. buy Bodyfy for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I have a car. I drive it, I don't know, once a week, once every couple of weeks these days. Um, I have Android Auto. Nat and I were just talking about this. And so I have Android Auto, which has Spotify on it. And I would still consider buying this thing wow. because really? Android Auto is hot garbage for me right now.
3: Android Auto works fine for me. I like it just fine. I mean like how how much are you asking of your Android Auto? All I'm using it for is just directions and like, "Hey, play this random song."
0: It's slow, it disconnects. It like you can you can only tap the screen I think four times or five times before the whole thing freezes and tells you that <laughs> it's unsafe for you to be doing what you're doing. You got to like pull uh, over to find your playlist on Spotify.
3: Very oddly yeah. that very oddly that is not happening for me, so but I can sympathize that it's still relatively new software because it's like you know only new cars still have them but like if the spotify thing that's a hardware with no name has third-party spotify. integration that has like any kind of map integration that's basically just like android Auto but like a google home that you stick to your car that's i can see that being worthwhile
0: Okay, so if you could speak to it, you say, hey, Spotify. You don't say, Alexa, tell Spotify. You don't say, hey, Google. Like, they're building their own voice assistant now, too? Yeah, we know that they are because it's yeah.
2: actually already live in the iOS app. Okay. Um, Does not work well when you're on the street is a lesson I learned recently. <laughs> <laughs> if you are alone uh, in a quiet room, works fantastic. But, uh, man, I tried to get it to play something when I was walking around town the other day, and it was just not happening for me. So you have
0: you have to open the app and then, like—
2: then if you go to – there's a search uh, feature in the app, and if you, when you tap that, there is a microphone button. You tap microphone, and then okay. uh, you just say what, what you want. It's a great idea. I mean, like, the thing that I'm most excited about is just that Spotify is making hardware, period, because right now, in order to have a great Spotify experience that is not on your phone, you have to use somebody else's hardware, right? Like, you have to plug it into your Sonos speakers. Uh, you have to connect it to your Alexa device. Um, I All I want is, like, A Spotify version of the HomePod basically except that I want it to come in multiple flavors and sizes so I can have maybe one big one and a few little ones but like I still want the ultimate um, Spotify hardware and having spent four months now with the Sonos One like I know it's not the Sonos One
1: and I also feel like Spotify can just be smarter about if, if they work on it like when you're talking to Spotify like right now if I say Alexa play Angel Olsen on Spotify Half the time, Alexa will play a, a, a Spotify radio station with Angel Olsen. But uh, the other half of the time, Alexa will just find some random thing that kind of sounds like like the words Angel <laughs> Olsen. And it could be literally all music in the world. Where Spotify knows that all I ever do is listen to Angel Olsen. Spotify <laughs> should have a pretty good idea of who I'm trying to listen to and can just send me right there.
2: Yeah, if anything, I my feeling about Spotify is like, I almost wish that it would be a little bit more creative in what it suggests. Like, it's kind of like, you know how if you like, you buy a toilet on Amazon and then for the next like eight months it tries to sell you an additional toilet? Like, right, I sort of right. feel that way about <laughs> Spotify where it's like, oh, you listened to this song uh, twice yesterday, maybe we'll make that the lead song on your mix. It's like, no, like, play, just play me another song by that artist. Yeah. This
1: is a classic problem of machine learning that is thankfully addressed by the master of. With <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a promo code for that, Paul? It's called uh, b- buy it on Audible, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. A long promo code. But a Speaking of
0: promo codes, the promo code is promo code, and the, the power user of the internet shirts are in the Verge store right now. I have ordered mine. It is yet. I don't know what the turnaround is uh, on those. I have also ordered mine. I ordered the basic one, the one that is actually <laughs> like not like weird looking enough? Not ironic. Yeah, that was the wrong move. Yeah.
2: I ordered the cr- like I we so okay. So if you're not familiar with this story, uh, Mark Zuckerberg during q and A Q&A with uh, reporters that I was on last week referred to himself as a power user of the internet, uh, which is obviously true, but like just sort of like funny because of the understatement. And so immediately within the Verge, we said we have to make this a t shirt. And so we whipped up these four designs and uh, put them to a vote on Twitter. And uh, the most like. Boring um, Aww, it's version growl. one. It's it, a, it doesn't. It looks. It looks. good. Looks, it looks good. I, you're right. Let me take that back. Okay. A very talented artist made it. It is. It, <laughs> it doesn't look bad at all. It just looks like um, serious yeah. uh, to me. And what I loved about the version of the shirt that I bought is that it looks like a 90s VHS cassette um, about the internet. Like just those like over the top computer graphics, like neon <laughs> colors. Uh, and so that's what I wanted, so I bought it. Okay. But,
0: Dieter, you don't know when it's going to come. Uh, it's Soon. Okay. I've got my tracking pixel. Great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the
3: hardware thing is not the only thing that Spotify could be doing. There was a report earlier this week saying that they could be making changes to their free service. So okay. hopefully, um, to me, if anything, uh, they should use the music I listen to and serve me actually better ads since I'm... Cheap and I won't pay for it, and I'm okay with listening what? to an ad for like a minute. For you know, I don't know. It's not a big deal to me. Anyway, we need, we need, to, we the need to. back are... up you,
0: <laughs> How did you decide not to get Spotify? You, do you pay for any music at all? No. Any music service? Wow. No.
3: I'm super cheap. Wow. I listen to music on Spotify for free or on uh-huh. YouTube because like I don't care. It's fine. Advertising is a thing that I can ignore for half a minute and then move on to my life, my current life. It's fine, but. I have to admit that Spotify probably has the worst ads. Like, they could probably learn from Google and Facebook on how to target ads better because I keep getting either (laughs) the same ads or just ones that completely are irrelevant. Like, I'll listen to a rock song and get an ad for a concert for, like, Aaron Carter, and it just makes no sense. They just don't understand it. And, like, if anything, if they could do, if they're planning to revamp the free subscription tier... Better ads would be my request.
0: Wow. I, I'm i just shocked. I, I pay for every <laughs> single music service. It's uh, embarrassing. I, I don't pay yeah. for title. I don't pay for title. I, don't, I have
2: paid for every music service, yeah. and I've whittled them down to uh, Spotify and to Google Play Music, which I frankly mostly pay for because I get YouTube Red, which is the, the most underappreciated yeah. uh, streaming service that there is. But Did you uh, pay for yeah, YouTube I get, uh, Red now?
3: I, I had it for, like, we like we bought a Google home and it gave us like a free thing. And after that, I was just like, Neh.
1: what about Netflix?
3: I don't pay for Netflix. I don't use Netflix.
1: This is amazing.
3: I don't use Netflix. Man. I don't have Hulu. I pay I have sling that I have.
1: Sling That's because
3: i I don't have cable TV, so that's what I have
1: right. Interesting. S-
3: very it's frugal, y'all.
1: It's fascinating. <laughs>
0: I'm jealous. Uh, what else we got? Phones. Red iPhone 8. It is so red. It is way redder than I expected. I have nothing else to say about it
1: other than it's um, super red.
3: It is way better than the last red iPhone they made, which is that yes. the front is actually black versus the last yes. one where the front was white, and we were like, what the hell were they thinking? So, yeah. And this is clearly a play on getting more you know, of their Asian markets to buy it because red is a lucky color, and people love red, and people like to be unique. And, yeah.
0: Also, like, charity, right? I mean, there
3: is that, but, like, (laughs) Apple. Uh.
0: Yeah. You know how
3: Apple loves charity.
0: Yeah. And then um, Vlad reviewed the Huawei P20 Pro. I don't have one yet. I'm expecting, hopefully, to get one next week. Aren't they
2: illegal in this
0: country? They are.
3: Not, like, technically, but kind of. So,
2: I wouldn't want to be caught with one coming across the border, I'd say that much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the big question is, is the burden of proof on Huawei or the U.S. government at this point? Because the U.S. government question. has said, no, no, no. And everyone's sort of like, well, should tell us why. And they're like, we're not going to. There were studies years ago of uh, people looking into it. Huawei's networking equipment is used around the world. They're like a leader like, in 5G tech. And there's a concern. Is it really about spying or is it about a concern that this privately held or quasi-privately held Chinese company that has connections to the Chinese government, the Chinese military, frankly, is to be trusted either for security or simply because if we let them have too much power in defining 5G, they're going to end up being a monopoly in 5G networking equipment and Ericsson and Nortel and whoever else will just fade away. I really want this
1: to be clarified for me because like here... Paul but, but by whom?
0: Like, Paul, do you think that do you think it's up to Huawei to convince the U.S. government, or do you think it's the U.S. No. government to, to like like uh, tell us what the problem is?
1: I think the U.S. government. Here, here's the thing: if I, Paul Miller, say, "Don't buy Huawei phones; they spy on you, or they yeah. are a security risk." Uh-huh. Uh, if I cannot prove that, that is libel. <laughs> and so, for the for the government to say that and insinuate that without saying. Actually, why? It feels yeah. like liable to me. And like maybe if it's true, and then therefore, like Huawei can't actually fight it because it's actually true, then that's one thing., uh, but I, it's just so weird. Also, I liked uh, Vlad's uh, usage of the term super flagship, which <laughs> I I think really nicely encapsulates this this this, you know, this new tier that we have of like the sort of the thousand dollar phone that is um, for rich people.
0: Yeah, that's that's about right. It also has a notch, which I'm done having feelings about notches. I just can't, I don't have the emotional energy to be angry <laughs> or sad about notches anymore. Uh,
2: here's, here's why, because so, you know, one thing about me is I'm not a hardware person, and I, I felt that very acutely as this debate was raging about the notch. And I got my iPhone, I was like, oh, I kinda think this notch looks cool. And I was like, well, I'm not telling any of my coworkers about that, I'm keeping that to myself. <laughs> but I've like I've never had one negative emotion about the the notch the entire time I've had my iPhone 10.
0: Oh. Wow I mean I have had it in landscape annoy me sometimes mm, yeah. but that's about it it's, it's fine it's whatever it's,
2: I like here's the thing every time I consciously am aware of it I think you're the thing that's like shooting lasers at my face that lets me log into this phone like so I have this very positive association with it which is like you enable a cool thing
0: right yeah well all it enables on Android phones is like a screen that's eight percent bigger. Because, like, their, their their cameras and the other stuff that they put inside the notch aren't really that interesting. They're not right. as interesting as what's on the iPhone. So it's like, sure, it's 8% bigger. I don't care. Yeah, not you as know. interesting as the iPhone. Welcome to Android. <laughs> I'll have Yikes. more feelings about this next week when I actually use it. I don't know. It's, it's very pretty. The camera is fascinating. One? I'm going to get a review unit, um, oh, okay. and then we'll see. And then we'll see what happens, you know. Having a Huawei phone, walking around the streets in America, if I get tackled by an NSA
1: agent, imagine if your technology is spying on you somehow. Can you be- Could you believe it? <laughs> They're going to know what you like and what you're enthusiastic about, and who you're married to. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know, like. This this company's getting checked out by every intelligence service on the planet, right? Like, mm. if MI six isn't freaking out and MI five isn't freaking out and keeping MI four, MI three. I'm just <laughs> saying, I don't know. It's very confusing, and so I'm assuming it's like a it's a trade thing. We're afraid of their trade power. We're afraid of their like owning the 5G standard. But like, mm. c- compared to Qualcomm, I guess. Compared to I don't know, like who cares what Ericsson? I don't know. Anyway, it's it's very confusing. I'm very excited to try it. I am. Um, I'm not on board with calling anything a super anything, um, okay. okay. Except what for except for a, a hotel, that's a super eight. That I don't. That I'm okay oh with.
2: God. Would you be comfortable calling Jessica Jones a superhero?
0: Ooh, I would. Yeah. I am trying to watch season two right now, and man, it is just it is a slog. It is a
2: bit of a slog. The first season of Jessica Jones is maybe my favorite Netflix anything ever, yeah. and so season two, I came in with a lot of high hopes about it. It does some cool things,
0: but okay, it's not I'll as stick good. with it. just yeah. All they do is punish her and make her sad. It, and it's show, really getting to be like, yeah. like, let her have a good, nice day. They should just be an, an <laughs> episode of Jessica Jones in the middle of season two where she just goes and gets some ice cream. that should just be the whole episode
2: (laughs) without spending half an hour on this the one thing that I will say that I think is actually the key to the season is that both this season and last season are about the kinds of control that men have over women's bodies and it is the fact that she is constantly uh, oppressed and so are the women in her life that is the actual like thematic point of the show and I think it's worth sitting with
0: I agree okay fine
3: Um, well Dieter if you're (sighs) interested in watching super women uh, have a great day I suggest Instagram stories That's basically it. A lot of really super women just having a great day, buying ice cream.
0: Okay, fair. <laughs> and you don't have like to pay it. for that, <laughs> Paul. I love this. Every week, yes. You go get some ice cream. Uh huh. And have a you great think about it. Thinking week. about doing a segment. One out of seven. While you're eating your ice cream every week, it's always the same of the week.
1: <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Neil, <laughs> I come back. We're not. We're not. We're it's called well. Record Resolution. So there is a company. You really company a chance for
0: a revolution joke there. I, I was, what was that? Because rec- records revolve. It could have been a record resolution revolution.
1: Oh, shoot. You're right. Let's Sorry. do it over. Let's do it over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This week, I'm changing the name. It's called record <laughs> resolution revolution. So, some company is making uh, HD records. They call it high definition vinyl. What does and that even it, mean? It means that we have the technology uh-huh. to basically, if you think of it, like almost like um, 3D print or or, or or make a 3D imagination of a record, and therefore it means that you can have a louder volume. You can get longer play time. Uh, you can get like a more um, resolution in the audio. So they're they're working on a process to they create a the uh, the audio is first digitally converted to a three D topographic map, then okay. lasers engrave the map onto a stamper, which makes an impression in the vinyl.
0: So it's just it's just a like a higher resolution higher fidelity like peaks and valleys in the the thing that the the needle reads
1: right and this is in comparison to, to like a traditional record like at least in the olden days how it was made is it's literally uh-huh. like it's like playing a record in reverse you have a needle yeah, thomas edison yells into a cone and there's a needle at the end of it and it and that vibrates thing. and creates yeah. indentations in the wax or whatever i don't know so anyways better records very exciting is it yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me, Taylor? I'm sorry. <laughs> Neater always Nilay always loves my segments.
0: Uh, that's a good segment. I just I saw CDs were making a comeback again. I don't know. It's very confusing. All right. Uh, I want to talk about the web a little bit, which is, of course, because Neelai is gone. We we're going to talk about the web. Paul, you just wrote a really nice article about what's going to happen with web apps, maybe. So yeah. you want to chat about that briefly?
1: Yeah. I, I, I pointed out there's a bunch of interesting things, and I didn't cover every hot new technology, but three of them that I pointed out were... Uh, progressive Web Apps, which uh, iOS 11.3 silently mm-hmm. included support for Progressive Web Apps. And I think it's they were silent about it because Apple has not really fully embraced the standard, uh, yep. but they are starting to embrace the standard. And it, it, it's a lot to explain what a Progressive Web App is, but the kind of the vision is that you can uh, go to a website – and then you add it to your home screen, and now it basically behaves like an app. But it works really well yeah. on Android. Uh, it works really yeah, badly. The, the progressive on our... part is
0: it progressively loads the rest of the web app in the background when you visit the page the first time.
1: Well, so and like also, progressively
0: becomes a full app.
1: And, all, uh, and also, it progressive. It can it can be progressively enhanced. Right. It's also part of the progressive. I don't know. It's very progressive. It's very progressive. There's a
0: person wearing a wearing an apron. Her name is Flo. She delivers the app to you in a box. The other web thing that happened is we finally have another um, Chrome OS tablet, uh, the HP
1: Chromebook X2. I don't know. This is a tablet tablet in the sense that a Surface is a tablet.
0: Yeah, but you can you can use it without the keyboard and it looks like the keyboard actually bends in like a laptopy kind of way. I'm really curious to see how that hinge works. I'm also really curious to see when Google's gonna get around to making tablet mode on Chrome OS not crap, because I use it on a Pixelbook all the time and it's still pretty bad. Everything goes to full screen and there's no way to really deal with that.
1: I we live in this a uh, marvelous time where Apple has created a beautiful mobile OS, and Google has created a wonderful web browser, and (laughs) you (laughs) can't get them both on the same device. (laughs) Yep. Um, I just just want to take uh, a Pixelbook, and I want to take my iPad. I just want to sit on them, and then get both at once.
0: Okay, last last piece of news, unless we want to do a little lightning round, I think is uh, all these leaks. Uh, Tom Warren got some. Some other sites got some of the uh, the new version of Gmail, the redesign that's coming. Mm. Uh, speaking of web apps, I am excited. I tried using Inbox for a long time and gave up. And so for Gmail to finally get proper real snoozing is actually really exciting for me.
3: Yeah. They're also building in Smart Replies, which I think is really funny because they're really going all in on the Smart Reply thing, and it's
1: cool. I'm just really into this calendar pane. Yeah, like they, they they are basically doing iOS multitasking in Gmail, where you have a second app where you have your notes or calendar or whatever on the sidebar. Yeah,
3: makes it sense. makes
1: sense. I mean, when I go through my inbox, which
2: I now do approximately once per week, <laughs> um, I would say like a third of the items that actually require my attention. Uh, the reason I haven't given them attention yet is i need to move some information from the email into the calendar and so there's a world in which like the calendar and the inbox should be the same thing and it's just about like moving inbox items onto your calendar so uh, i'm shocked it's taken gmail this long to try this yeah um and like i i'm still kind of like sorting through these screenshots i can't tell exactly how it's going to work
0: but uh it's well worth the shot i think it's not going to be what you're hoping for. I'm sorry. It's going to well, be pretty minor. Well, nothing ever is Tinder. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I love I that did. Hangouts is still here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's really takes me back. Yeah. How else Man. is your mom supposed to contact you while you're at work? <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
2: your mom contacts you through Hangouts? She <laughs> used to.
1: That used to be her, like, go-to method.
2: Clearly, that's it's to tweet,
3: Casey, because will well, like everything. One of my favorite
2: things about my own mom is during the AOL instant messenger days, uh, she would... Uh, write a message to me, and then sign each message, mom.
0: Wow. Like she would Aww. sign individual chat messages. That's I'll incredible. If you're listening. That's sweet.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My mom instead um, doesn't type in English, so she communicates with me using Facebook Messenger stickers. So, to ask me whether I've had lunch, she'll send me a sticker of like a takeout box. <laughs> and to ask me whether I'm coming home for the weekend, she'll send a person looking sad.
1: Do you reply? Oh, wow. <laughs> do you reply in English or do you reply with stickers?
3: Um, I reply with words and she will reply back with about approximately five more stickers. It's great. I love her.
1: That seems very
0: efficient. I hope that in addition to adding snoozing functionality to Gmail, that they Put out an open source spec for email that includes the idea of snoozing that iterates on IMAP such that... Um, if you want to use a third party email client that also has snoozing, you don't have stupid ass snooze folders in your Gmail all the time that there's just like the idea of snoozing should just be built into the email spec and everyone should just adopt it. And if Google just like said, all right, here it is. And here's how apps can interact with it. And then everybody else can use it too. It's fine. And it's free. Then we could just, we could all pick any app that we want to interact with their service and it would be great.
1: That's what I want. If only the email spec was easier to consistently implement across clients.
0: What are you talking about? It's super easy to implement. It's IMAP. It's like uh, there's a million email clients. They, I mean, it's super hard to make an email client successful. How many,
1: how many, how many IMAP clients do you know of? Name, name me more than four. Are you kidding? Like Microsoft
0: Outlook. Outlooks. I mean, Sparrow is, I mean, they're all gone now. They're all dead now. But a complete, like all of mm. every email no, app on the planet now. uses mm. IMAP. Oh, okay. Mm. But it's not, they weren't dead because IMAP was complicated. They're dead because they couldn't make any money. Because they all got bought by these other companies. Which I think like speaks to,
2: though, like, what strategic incentive does Google have to improve functionality
0: in third-party apps that it makes no money from? Because <sighs> they're just not evil, Casey.
1: <laughs> Maybe they are. Whatever.
0: Sorry, Paul, what were you going to say?
1: Uh, I was just going to uh, – we missed this last week, but uh, Intel uh, released Core i9 processors oh, yeah, for, yeah. for laptops. Uh, like These are H-series uh, processors. This is like a huge speed bump. They're saying twenty nine percent overall speed boost, forty one percent improvement for gaming. Uh, this is basically the best time ever in your life to buy a fifteen inch like high performance laptop. You can get a, 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 a performative machine with a GPU uh, in a, a portable form factor, like with like like four gigahertz. Processor that's turbo boost. It's not always running at four gigahertz, but it's just an exciting time to love a very specific kind of laptop.
0: Yeah, it's a really great last hurrah for Intel chips. <laughs> 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 I mean, Apple switched into their own chips in a couple of years. Uh, Windows is running on ARM now too. Like no one wants to stick. No one wants to hang with Intel. Nobody enjoys buying Intel products anymore.
2: I, I love think, buying <laughs> Intel products. I have one of each one of their
0: products.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ever go to, over to Casey's house, he's got like a wall framed. <laughs> <with
2: Yeah. thread laughs> he processors. has
3: a T-shirt that says "Power User of Intel Products." <laughs>
2: I am a power user of Intel products. I, I, I care think so
1: in, much. Intel's last hurrah is their. Um, amd partnership once we see some of those products like as like laptops like with built-in gpus you'll have like a a new size of laptop that can have a tolerable gpu and that will be fun until uh, arm takes over the whole world
0: yeah that i think is the end of the verge cast i want to thank casey for coming on it was wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Nat for coming on.
1: Glad to be here.
0: I want to thank Paul for being here. Thanks for um, having me, Dieter. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. On backlon. Casey is Casey Newton. Nat is Nat underscore, Garin? Nat nope. Garen?
3: Just Nat Garen. No Two teeth.
0: Paul's future Paul. Uh, We are Verge on Twitter. We're also Verge on Instagram. You should also listen to other podcasts. I highly recommend season two of Why'd You Push That Button. The last episode that I listened to was about restaurant reviews, and I quite enjoyed it. Uh, There's also podcasts from Recode. There's Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. She's got the full interview of her MSNBC interview with Tim Cook recently, which is really good. There's also Recode Media with Peter Kafka. And uh, you should go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us um, because that's helpful and we need your help. Because mm. is not here, and this this ship is going down real fast if we don't figure it out. So give us give us a good review. I'd appreciate wow. that. And we should also wow. mention
2: that our good friend Dieter has a new show oh, on YouTube yeah, yeah, yeah. called Processor. It, it exists. And I watched the first episode, and it was fantastic. Dieter, what would you tell our audience about Processor?
0: Uh, I would tell you that uh, we're going to try and air them on Wednesdays, although— uh, this coming week I think we're going to have a bonus episode which I'm pretty excited about Uh, and I'm trying to talk about tech but also add a little I don't know human empathy and kindness to it which isn't always like obvious I'm not going to like end every episode by saying be nice to each other this isn't like Mr. Rogers does gadgets Um, but I don't know (laughs) I'm just trying to like do A little like actual like thinking and analysis about tech instead of just hands ons. Eventually, it will devolve into just hands ons, but until that happens, when I run out of ideas, there's gonna be some really cool stuff. I hope.
1: And the first episode is really good. Well, I will just wanted to say the first episode was very thoughtful. That's all, all I wanted to say. This is all too much attention. Rock and roll. Wait, what Paul. did Casey
0: want to say? No, that's it. That's the end. That was it. No, I said we're the same ending thing the merch oh. oh my god, we're so bad oh. at this. Goodbye, everybody. Paul, rock and roll Paul. <laughs> <laughs> promo code. This episode of The Vergecast that you just listened to was brought to you by IBM. In the course of listening to that podcast, nearly 10,000 new malware variants have launched. But AI can protect you and your data from threats wherever it lives with IBM security. Put smart to work. Learn more at ibm.com slash smart.